Like, just shut up. Just shut up. Enjoy the hockey. This is Tall Can Audio. <laughs> Off we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast, coming to you from a couple of satellite studios, not in Bytown, Canada. I am I am in the Kawartha Lakes TCA Satellite Studio. My friend Michaela Schreider is in the the Almont. I think I, I, I do this all the time. I didn't grow up in this area. We've talked about this before. To me, that word looks like Almonte every time. We're going to trust <laughs> Michaela. We're going to say it's Almont. Uh, how's it going today, Screeds? You know, Almont is named after Juan Almonte, who discovered it, who I believe was a Mexican general. So you're not wrong in that that is how the word is technically pronounced. But us hicks out here in Almont call it Almont. <laughs> so it was discovered by a Mexican general northwest of Ottawa, Canada? It's... Yeah. Like, I okay, I grew up in, like, Armprior, Deep River, like, the Ottawa Valley. Yeah. I'm, I thought that every single, this aside from, like, you know, obviously the First Nations people who we stole the land from, sure. but, um, you know, every uh, uh, settler in mm-hmm. that area, by and large, was Scottish, Irish, English. Right. And then I discovered that the town I live in was discovered by a Mexican general, and I'm like, wait, what? He, he was pretty lost, it kind of feels like. Like, he's... I- yeah, it's, it, I think it's kind of cool because it's like this is the one town and I, I don't know, someone from Carlton Place might yell at me that I, I don't know who discovered that, but this is the one town to my knowledge in this area. This is the one town in this area that's like got a bit of a different history that is that doesn't start with a logging community yes. of English settlers, no. which, okay. you know, at a certain point just gets, okay, yeah. <laughs> you're unique. I think that's right. Okay, so... I, I've like what did we make it 17 seconds in before I dragged us off the uh, the beaten trail and just my mispronunciation of the name of uh, where you're hanging out right now um, we are on uh, social media at Talking Audio give us a follow there she is on Twitter and Instagram at Shrides S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S and uh, look we got a few different things we can talk about but we always start in the same place Screeds you got a beer for us today I do I went with uh, we stopped at uh, oh my Kick and push uh, brewery on the way. You home from too. Toronto Everybody this but me's been into this place. I know, and you know what? That it finally worked out um, because every time we drive. So this is in uh, Charbot Lake yes. for those who live in <laughs> downtown, in, uh, the booming metropolis of Charbot Lake. <laughs> exactly, yeah. like just the heart of cottage country. Right. Um, and we've driven by it every time we've gone down to Toronto, and it's always been too early in the morning or too mm-hmm. late at night, and this was perfect. We finally got to stop by. Uh, so I'm drinking their blonde ale today because we, we stocked up a little bit from them. Okay. Oh, that's good. There it is. Um, so I'll be stopping by to grab some of your stock because I'm the same way. Like, I'm always rolling down seven back towards cottage country, and it's, like, too early on the Friday, so they're not open yet. And then on Monday, hey. a lot of breweries, like when you're heading back or on Sunday night, like that's not a big business day. So they're closed. Like I have not been able to get into this place yet. Uh, you have mentioned it now. Lever Sage has sent me pictures like ah, I got there before you. Actually, he was nice enough to say I have some for you, but he's never brought it. So I don't know if that's actually happening. If it was too good, he drank it. Uh, this is a bit of a mission for me to uh, to get to kick and push. Um I will say it is very nice there. They have a nice little tap room inside. It's like a log cabin, unsurprisingly. Okay, yeah. And they've got a great patio with a ton of picnic tables. They've got a few out front. They've got a few out back. And then a really nice environment inside. Like I, We didn't stop in for a beer because we were kind of in a rush, but right. I could have sat there and had a couple of pints because it's a really nice spot. Okay, well, I'll get there. I'll get there. You'll get there, um, this is one I got uh, two here sitting beside me. It felt like it might be a, a two beer kind of show for me. We'll we'll see how this rolls out. Um, but they're both from the Niagara Brewing Company and uh, had some family go down there for a bit of a vacation not too long. And they were nice enough to uh, to go ahead and uh, remember that oh Matt likes beer and there's a brewery right across the street from our hotel. So they went in and picked up a couple things. The first one here is called Beer Devil. It is an unfiltered IPA coming in around six point five percent. They say. Earthy tones is what to expect oh. here. We'll see what that's all about. So that's what I'll be rolling with here today. As I get into that, and and look, there's a bunch of things we can talk about, Shrides. We are um, coming off of a fantastically successful weekend for the WNBA 
in Toronto. I know you were a part of that. We can get to that. Uh, Becky Hammond is one of the names that is currently in the mix for the Toronto Raptors head coaching job. And she's in the news right now. Uh, the NHL is down to its final four. The Ottawa Senators are down to their final four bidders. There's a bunch of places we can go. But I know on Friday night, you were at a concert that I wish I had been at. And since I'm sitting here now anyway, having a beer with the girl at the rock show, uh, why don't you tell me how Blink-182 was last Friday night? Was this one for you or was this one for Josh? Were you a fan? Did you enjoy it? How'd it go? Oh, it was for both of us. Um, I'm 100% a Blink-182 fan. I grew up on them. I love them so much. And uh, so does Josh. So so this was for both of us for okay. sure. And it was everything I wanted it to be. It was so great. It was it was at the Bell Center in Montreal. And it, like, I don't know how what the capacity is, but let's say for a concert, 15,000, 16,000. It's just 16,000 millennials double fist in a beer and water all night because none of us can stay up this late anymore. Oh, I have heartburn. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, uh, the 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 one craft beer that the Bell Center serves was six point eight percent, so so you had to be careful. Yeah. Um. But it was a great show. That the set list that they picked was so perfect. Uh, they played all the songs you wanted. They played a couple, like I think maybe two or three new songs, but you knew them all. Like it was the ones that they've released. Yeah. And every they played every single song you wanted them to play. Um. They were exactly what you'd expect them to be in terms of their banter with the banter a ton. I I know that they don't love each other. Yeah, we're wondering how they Um, still get along. What that's what that relationship's like. Fine. Okay. Like like there was no obvious animosity. They also didn't talk to the crowd all that much. They spent most of their time playing music. Uh, One thing I loved that they did was at the end of the show, right before the encore, they were just like, okay. That was our show. This is our encore. They didn't do the thing that every band does where they go, okay, we're, we're, we're gone. Bye. And yeah. then surprise, we're back. Yeah. I've always hated that about concerts. I'm like, we all know you're coming back. Just come back. Um, so they, they in a very Blink-182 fashion, uh, they, they I remember they part. released a live album at one point. And on that album, they you hear them say to the crowd, all right, like this is the part where everybody would leave and say, hi, thanks for coming. But you know those motherfuckers are coming right back out here. So we're just going to stay. So apparently that's a staple uh, yeah. of the Blink show. I did see, because I looked at this set list before we started here to see what you got to see and, uh, or, you know, how your, uh, your Blink uh, set list looked. I can't remember what they closed with now. Uh, Damn it is, uh, appears to be one of the, uh, that the might last have been ones. It. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was awesome. They're such a great live band. Um, I don't think Travis Barker gets the credit he deserves. No. Is like just one of the greatest drummers of all time, and uh, it was it was so nostalgic and and so much fun. I've been listening to nothing but Blink One Eighty Two ever since. Yeah, see, I get that. As you know, I'm hurtling towards a horrible birthday here fairly soon, and uh, dun dun dun. Yeah. And so uh, one of our mutual friends has been offering to uh, to host a party, which your husband helped plan and then bailed on. Um, that was fascinating. <laughs> all in the case, uh, all of in the span of like one hour. Um, that was quite an experience. But the idea someone else planned was like, well, you got to go through, and the playlist for that day has got to be like some of your, you know, over the course of your life, the stuff you were into, the different phases of music you went through. And as I was sitting down to do it, I'm like, okay. Let's start at Blink-182, because <laughs> it was just in that age of, like, your teenage years, and at some point I got through, I'm like, oh, you gotta you gotta pull it back. It's like two-thirds Blink-182, so, uh, yeah, we'll curtail that a little bit, but I'm glad to hear it was awesome, and you said you had to take it easy on the, the 6.8% craft beer, because that was Friday night, and uh, you were getting up in the morning was somewhere to be on Saturday and you were six hours away that you had to drive and it wasn't even an evening start I think it was an afternoon game down in Toronto um, between Minnesota and Chicago in the WNBA how'd it go it was awesome uh, aside from yeah the, the drive there was a bit rough a and quiet. it was a bit early yeah. a little quiet and we we're tired because even even with trying to be careful um, we were out till midnight yep and then we got up at like five thirty for you normal o'clock. people. That's like three in the morning. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that is literally the middle of the night for me. And it was so late. And then it was such an early morning heading to like. Then I don't know if you ever driven from Montreal to Toronto, but it's all four hundred one. Mm-hmm. It's a straight shot. And if you thought the four hundred one was boring, get ready for five and a half hours of it. <laughs> it was brutal. But once we got there, 
Uh, the game was fantastic. It was a sold out crowd, just over 19,000 people in Scotiabank Arena. Uh, yeah, to see Chicago and Minnesota. And, and it was very clear, like Toronto was ready for this. They were so pumped to have the WNBA here. There were signs of like uh, future season ticket holder or, you know, bring a team to Toronto, all that stuff. Lots of orange yeah, in the crowd. You could see a lot of orange and, and they sold out, I think, 98% of merch um, <laughs> in, in the stores. Like they just cleaned them out. Um, so, uh, uh, merch sales online also went up like 500% in the <laughs> week leading up to the game. Um, and it was, it was an, uh, like I said, sold out crowd, incredibly attended game. I think it was them, uh, I had the stats here. Uh, one sec. Yep. Um, it was the first ever WNBA game in Canada. Obviously it was the most attended preseason game in league history and second most watched WNBA game in Canada ever. Wow. So that's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, like and Bob and I discussed energy- this a little on the Sunday, and knowing you were coming up, and so I didn't want to get too deep into it because neither of us were there. But like, even the commissioner of the WNBA when she came out to do her media, like before she said anything, she kind of looked around, like, "Wow, <laughs> like this is yeah. this is wild." The attention that it's gotten. Yeah, it is. It was so. It was so wonderful to see how excited Toronto was. Like, I think Vanessa and I and and Josh as well, like we were all talking that there's no way they're not announcing a a Toronto team at this game. We thought for sure it was going to happen. It didn't. But I think that if this game has proven anything, it's that Toronto is ready for a WNBA team. And they were this was like an audition and they passed with flying colors. Um, and, and yeah, it was just the, the energy in the crowd was, it was so electric and, and I've never seen a preseason game quite like this. It was, it was something special. I'm, I'm curious about, about that, right? One of the things that I compared it to on Sunday was these games that the Jays played. They didn't this year. I can't remember if they did last year, but for a very long time at the end of spring training, they would go up to Montreal and they would go play at the big O against whoever, and they would sell those games out. They'd sell the series out. It was usually two or three games. And you'd remind everybody that this is a city that is ready for baseball. But the questions coming out of it were always, yeah, it's one weekend. Um, of course, people can get up for that. Can you support 81 home games, which is what it would obviously have to be in baseball. And I wonder what your takeaway from this particular experience was, knowing that yeah, the WNBA, like, you don't have to sell out the ACC at 20,000 people. You know, the the um, average attendance, I, last I looked it up, was somewhere around six, 7,000 people per game. Like, what is your takeaway on this obviously being a tremendous success that drew all kinds of attention and how that would translate into, you know, a, a long-term commitment from the city? Well, I think we have a bit of a model already in Toronto for, in terms of like regularly supporting basketball in the Raptors, sure, right? Yeah. So, and and yeah, like I, I'm I'm well aware of the the differences in average attendance, but there's there's an infrastructure here not just for hosting a basketball team, a, a WNBA team, but for promoting one, mm-hmm. right? Like if if I assume, and it would be wild if this wasn't the case, but I'd assume that if and when. Hopefully it's when Toronto gets a WNBA team, they're going to be associated with MLSE. I you'd have to right. Like they that. said, there was seven or eight groups interested. If you could get MLSE, and I'm sure like Masai yeah. Ujiri was courtside, Larry Tannenbaum was there. Like these are the movers and shakers on the basketball side of things at MLSE. That that has to be your number one option if you're the WNBA, right? Just to get to that group. Yeah, and and so you, if you do, then then there's that infrastructure in place for selling uh, sponsorship, for selling TV rights, for selling season tickets, and and for promoting individual games. So yeah, do I think every single if uh, tw- be twenty home games uh, for the WNBA in Toronto would get nineteen thousand plus people? Maybe not. Right. Hopefully, but maybe not. Sure. Um, but do I think there's a, a market here to get a decent number of people out? And and, and like I'm talking like. I know the average. You mentioned the average attendance is like six, six, seven thousand people. I, I, I think it, it's not unreasonable to expect, like in Toronto, like around ten thousand people right. for a WNBA game at an average. Like this is a huge city that loves basketball and evidently loves the WNBA. Yep. And so I, I really do feel like the, the other thing is there's less of a commitment with the WNBA in terms of going. If you're a season ticket holder, for example, it's not forty-one home games. Like it is with the Raptors, it's it's twenty at least right now. It's right. twenty. Yeah, 
it's in the summer when the Raptors aren't playing, yeah. so you're starved for basketball. Yeah, the Jays are playing, but the Jays were playing on this day too, and, and it did, did nothing not. to attendance. That's right. But it also can work in our favor in that Toronto fans are already very accustomed to spending time downtown watching sports in the summer, right? Leaf so fans also I have their the, summers the freed is... up pretty early in the spring. Like it's... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it. <laughs> I did. I said it. That's right. Uh, the, the sports no, I, dollar I think... is available May onward, right? It's... <laughs> and, and, and the other thing that makes me really confident is just the number of sponsors who who came out for, for this one. Like we saw so many major marketing partners uh, step up in... Um, uh, for for this game in particular, 19 marketing partners were activated around the game in Canada, including Tangerine, Air Canada, Bell, Canada Goose, Canadian Tire, you know, DoorDash, the list right. goes on. Um, huge corporations, Nike, um, Michelob Ultra, Metrolinx. Like, I was on the GO train and they were promoting the game as we were driving in. Wow. Um, so the spot, like, like there's, there's, a, I think is once you get those sponsorship dollars in, mm-hmm. You have the resources to properly market it, and that's how you get people in there, and that's how you sell tickets. And I and I am very confident in Toronto's ability to do all that. So one of the things that uh, that we discussed on Sunday was the idea that yeah, if you could get into an MLSE, and like I said, I think MLSE is incredibly eager to do it. The startup cost is far lower than anybody else because, as you've mentioned. You already have marketing people and salespeople and ticketing people that, hey, while you're trying to sell a Raptors season package, well, we have this other package that includes whatever it might be, TFC and the WNBA or Leafs and Raptors and WNBA. Like you can kind of roll these things in together and it makes it so much easier to get up and running. It's a huge thing to have infrastructure already built in because it lowers your cost of entry, which I I, I don't think MLSE would even blink it. Uh, what it would take to get this up and going. The one thing I wanted to ask you about was, would you want to do this? And I've called it the ACC a couple times now. It's whatever. It's habit. At Scotiabank Arena. Would you want to do it there? Or would you look to maybe get to Coca-Cola Coliseum or something? I, I think you're right that that Toronto could get above the league average, which is somewhere around six, 7,000, be closer to 9 or 10 or whatever you're saying. But there's an appearance thing, right? There's a supply and demand thing, and you and I are both CFL people, and you look at the Alouettes, and when they got out of the Big O, which holds 50,000 people, and down to uh, the, the University Stadium, uh, which holds more like 20, yeah, it's a smaller crowd, but it creates demand, and you can say every week it's sold out, and it becomes a vibe as opposed to the Argos at the Sky Dome. 22,000 people, which was a great week for them, still looks like this empty cavern, right? And I wonder if the Toronto WNBA team averaged 9,500 fans a game, that would be a tremendous success, but the building looks half full. Would you look to get into a different venue, or do you want to be in the big house there in Toronto? Uh, It's a good question, Um, and I totally, you know, I, I agree that the supply demand thing, right? You want to create an optics, but I think there's a bit of a different angle when you look at women's sports and how it's typically treated. And I think the optics of putting it in a smaller venue would send a message that we don't expect this to sell more. Mm, right. And I think that's the wrong message to Damaging, send. Yeah. You know, Seattle, uh, the Seattle Storm play in Climate Pledge Arena, mm-hmm. uh, where the Seattle Kraken play. And you know, the, yes, last year was super, it's last year. So there was a bit of a, a, a draw, especially in the final days of, of their home games. But they have no problem making that stadium look pretty full, even on nights where they don't sell it out. Um, I would I would want them to keep it in Scotiabank Arena and concentrate on, instead of playing down to right. um, a smaller venue, why not aspire to a There's bigger room venue? room to grow, and, yeah. And I think that, one of the reasons why we see so many women's teams and women's leagues not have the same attendance that the men's teams do sometimes is because they're not properly marketed. They're not properly resourced. And people often don't even know where to find the tickets right. uh, and the games. And if if we solve those problems, which I believe MLSE would, I do believe they would invest in this team. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'd have a problem selling out. You look at the NWSL right now. We finally started seeing proper marketing 
for NWSL teams, or at least improvements in marketing. I think there's still a long way to go. And we're seeing records being broken every week of like 15, 16, 17, sometimes upwards of 20,000 people in the stands. And that's just because it's been, you know, appropriately marketed. This is big time, right? Um, yeah. And, and I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't treat the WNBA team in Toronto the same way. So I, I'd want it in Scotiabank Arena. That's interesting. I, I'll i be honest with you, and this is why we have you on, right? This is because Rob and I talked about it. We loved the idea of a sold-out, jam-packed, you know, 10,000-seat arena that made this, every time it was on TV, every time you were in there, it was, this is a place to be, right? Like, this is, but I, I, I agree with you that there is something to the idea of, yeah, no, this is big league. We play at the big arena and we're mm-hmm. going to build to filling that. So I think it's an interesting, you know, discussion and interesting debate. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, I like what you're saying there that aspire, don't lower yourself, right? Don't cap yourself, aspire to be bigger. So it's an interesting uh, debate that we'll no doubt see play out. You were down there. Uh, were you sitting in the stands? Were you up in the press box? How did this, uh, how did it look for you? Uh, yeah, Vanessa and I were big time. We were in the press box. Okay. Um, so I had to sit in the press box, like the same press box that Toronto Maple Leafs media sit in, which is pretty cool. Or used to. Um, yeah. I got to see the room where Kyle Dubas had a few meltdowns in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you. Please. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing that, so I've been to Scotiabank Arena a couple of times and you see, like they're, they call it the media gondola because it literally looks like a gondola kind of yeah. suspended in the air. And so you do have to walk through like a bit of a, a a very short but but a bit of a like um bridge right. to get to it and i kind of that kind of freaked me out of it um but other than that it was great and uh yeah we were we, we had the press box we had the we got to get media access to interview coaches and players afterwards um are you associated I got, I, with some sort of radio show that gets you that or yeah like i don't know if you've heard about them the the sports network Ooh. i think they're called Ooh. i believe it's called the toronto um, sports network is my understanding the sports <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's what i'm told it's but. funny i i i am so bad for this and i need to stop but like I, I was telling people uh when i got back they're like oh how was the WNBA game where, where were you sitting blah 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 and i was like vanessa and i are and i use air quotes media and mm-hmm. i was like no i gotta stop that we are media. you are media yeah of <laughs> like, course there's not air quotes we are media they're literally we on tsn radio yes um there's definitely imposter syndrome but we, we deserve to be there and and uh we got uh media credentials very easily which was great and uh uh, yeah, it was it was such a cool experience, and and um, I I really hope that it's not the last time we're watching a WNBA game in Toronto, and 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 hopefully hopefully they grant me media access again. I would love to do that again. Sure, and uh, as I gave you an opportunity to plug your show, and then interrupted to taking it away, it is she's got game on TSN Radio every weekend, and now in podcast form, which yes. frankly makes it so much more convenient. Uh, <laughs> so. Great way to uh, to check all of that out. And so what? Josh is down in the stands by himself? Is that how that has to shake? He, the poor guy yeah. he was. We got him one ticket because <laughs> we were going to get three tickets as a backup in case we didn't get media credentials. Right. And we there weren't three tickets together, so we had to buy them individually. We bought Josh's, and then before we could go and buy our own, it had sold out. This uh, sounds like a setup to me. This is- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but Josh is actually sitting right next to where the press box was so at one point when Vanessa and I were walking into the press box we waved him down and 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 handed he him free popcorn us. yes yeah exactly <laughs> he I think he did get um uh eyeballed maybe a couple times for being like a straight white dude alone there by himself uh, at the WNBA at, game at the WNBA game yeah <laughs> So, Come on, he's just I'm, out showing support. Like, let's I let's know, help grow this I'm, thing. I'm, right? Bless his heart, but yeah, he. Uh, I think he was feeling a little a little uncomfortable and lonely. But um, he was no, feeling yeah, uncomfortable I, I, because he was at the scene of the crime from what had just happened in next to the room you were talking about. Kyle Dubas is uh, that made him feel a little up, a little uptight. I'm quite certain. I think so. I think he was haunted. Yes, I'm haunted by ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of those floating around. So I'm sure you'll have more on this on uh, on She's Got Game this weekend. Sure. Uh, but while we're on it, uh, anything else you can promote on the show this weekend you want to you want to tell us about? Or? Well, I sure can. So someone who was in the crowd at the WNBA game, who is kind of a big deal, is Sarah Spain. And she is going to be on our show this week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. yeah. I know. That's a good <laughs> oh, I know. get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Not up uh, in the so press box with Sarah. you, down in the crowd instead. No, yeah. she was courtside. Okay. She is way yeah. too big time for us. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk to Sarah Spain, which I'm super excited about. And uh, they're, they're, I've interviewed her before. There was a time when I had a show called That's What She Said, mm-hmm. and her podcast was called That's What She Said. So we we were joking back and forth on Twitter that like I was the Canadian. I, I had the Canadian. <laughs> that's what she said. That's eh? what she said. Yeah. That's what she said. Eh? And, and Sarah was the American. So she came on our show to talk about that which was kind of cool um so i'm i I love her i admire her so much and i'm I'm so looking forward to talk to her that's a big deal and yeah we just got a few you know the WNBA regular season actually starts this week right um so we're going to talk about that uh you know unfortunately it's a, a reality of of every WNBA season this team this league needs to expand so bad there are only so many roster spots so we've seen a lot of big name players waived or cut this this week which is not great, but mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Nora Ratu signing with the PHF, which hey, is huge. Wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just, you know, some run of the mill uh, women's sports stuff. That's uh, She's Got Game across the TSN radio network. Or uh, like I said, if you're, if you're a podcast person, which obviously you are, since you're sitting here listening to this one, uh, make sure you're searching. Just do it right now while we're talking. Just hit search. It's She's Got Game. It'll pop right up and, uh, and follow. And then you can listen at your leisure. Uh, we like that. Um, look, if we stay in the basketball world at the moment, we're hearing a lot about Becky Hammond, and we'd been hearing about her beforehand because she was apparently one of the names on the list as the Raptors look for a new head coach. Um, there's been talk for quite a while that she would be, you know, she has set herself up to, in all likelihood, become the first female head coach of an NBA team. Uh, she had been a longtime assistant in the NBA before moving to Vegas in the WNBA this year and immediately guiding them to a championship. Uh, I'm curious, though, what exactly has gone down? She has found herself suspended for two games, and Las Vegas has forfeited uh, a draft pick. I think it was in 2025, which is interesting. It's a little ways down the road. But what's the story there? What's going on with Becky Hammond right now? Yeah, so this all stems from a few months ago, uh, Dierica Hamby came out and said she she had been very recently traded from Las Vegas to L.A. And she came out and said that essentially she was discriminated against and treated poorly because she got pregnant. And she was made to feel like she had, you know, let the team down in some way because she chose to have a baby and that she wasn't committed and all of this kind of really icky workplace stuff that uh, spoiler alert, don't treat people who are planning their family and having a baby <laughs> like that in a workplace. No. Um, and she she had shared all this in a, an Instagram post and the league said they were going to investigate. So this is all the result of that investigation. And in her original statement, she had she didn't named anybody specifically, but she had said some things that led a lot of us to believe that Becky Hammond was, at, was involved in this in some way. Um, you know, things like... Y- y- People who you would think support women's basketball, you know, are former players or coaches, or like, like, like something along those lines. I can't remember exactly oh, what it boy. was. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and we were all like, uh, this kind of sounds like Becky was involved. And evidently, the WNBA found enough evidence to say that Hammond, uh, they, they, they said in, in their investigation that Hammond had made comments to Hamby. Uh, about her pregnancy in violation with the league's respect in the workplace policies. And that's why they suspended her for two games. So um, evidently they found enough to to find that, yeah, Becky Hammond was involved in this and did some something that was in violation of their their, their policies and, and maybe a little problematic. So that's uh, that's where all this come, comes from. And the fact that the, the team itself is being docked a first-round draft pick, is that that they knew about this and didn't do enough to correct it or like is it a more overall arching position that the organization hasn't been supportive of its players like I I sort of understand that if the head coach is being shitty to one of its players then yeah you're you're gonna punish that coach but it seems like the organization at large is also being punished yeah, so that stems from the Aces, uh, according to the investigation, the Aces had made promises of, quote, impermissible benefits when negotiating a two-year extension with Erica Hamby, um, and that led to them losing the 2025 pick. So I don't know what exactly those impermissible benefits were, <laughs> um, but essentially they made promises they couldn't keep, and they, you know, they 
they guilted someone for for having a baby and 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 this isn't yeah. a nobody player this is the sixth player of the year award winner who's now been moved on to to la i believe you'll correct me if i'm wrong a former all-star like this is this is not nobody right this is not somebody that in any sport you would just well it's bottom of the roster player making some noise because they got dealt to it no like this is this is an important player yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's it, it certainly made waves when she shared this. Like everyone, everyone was talking about this. And and yeah, like she's a very if you follow the W and W the excuse me WNBA, she's a, a very well known player. Yeah, I know. So many <laughs> um, she's a very well known player, and uh, and and you know she took a big risk uh speaking out about this unfortunately as as many players do when it comes to this kind of stuff and i'm i am glad that the wnba investigated it mm-hmm. they didn't just brush it under the rug they didn't um you know pay lip service and say they would investigate and then we saw nothing <laughs> nhl um <laughs> but we've actually seen a result of this investigation and they've been very open with what they found so i'm i'm glad the wnba did that it's it's disheartening. No one should ever be treated like this. I don't care where you work. You have every right to uh, have a child. Have a family, yeah, I think you have do. a child yeah, yeah. and not be made to feel guilty. I don't care what you do for a living. Yeah. And um, I, I'm it's it's something that we have to talk about in women's sports a lot because a lot of the a lot of athletes who play these sports do have babies and are moms right. and have to. You know, they need mat leave and they, they need certain things that we don't talk about in men's sports because, you know, it's it's not as much of an issue. Although, like, you know, it'd we, be have nice that if they took at, leave. we have that at Tall Can Audio too. a lot of co-hosts who want mat leave just to get away from Matt for a while. It's it's a different <laughs> it's a different thing we do here, but it is a thing here. Uh, a <laughs> mat leave of absence. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> And and this is it, it's a, it's a really important issue. And, and it's something that in the WNBA, you know, part of their last CBA was maternity leave and maternity benefits and that was really crucial and groundbreaking weirdly um for for these athletes so it's sad that her even doing this was a risk because clearly there is a bit of a power dynamic going on and and we can't escape this it doesn't matter what sport we're talking about we you know we spend so much time in the last couple years we've talked a lot about rampant abuse and cover-up abuses in in women's soccer Mm -hmm. and evidently those power structures they do transfer, and unfortunately, the same kind of and I'm you know, I, I don't know of any other situations off the top of my head, but like the same kind of power dynamics are at play in the WNBA, and it is a, a, a big issue in women's sports. You know, we talk about threats to women's sports a lot recently, uh, and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, these are one of the threats to women's sports: is abuse, is a lack of fair treatment. Um, and this was just another example of that. So I'm happy the WNBA reacted. I'm very disappointed that Becky Hammond was involved because I I want to love her. Right. And, and, and like, it would be great if she, I, I don't want to see her leave the WNBA, but it would be great if she's the first female coach in the NBA. And now this just kind of... Well, this is what I was going to ask you about, right? Is this is a very prominent name, both as a former player and then as a coach in the NBA and now the WNBA. And we're seeing her name back out there around some NBA jobs. And I'm curious, like, how do we view this impacting her standing moving forward? How big of a black cloud is this? Um, It's a two-game suspension. And in theory, you know, coaches get suspended for shit all the time. But this is now a fairly important reason she's been suspended right like it's it's not like she cursed at a referee or something like that which we all kind of go yeah i'd curse at him too right like this is an important (laughs) thing how like how how does this shift for now or maybe it doesn't like i'm curious on your opinion on what this does to becky hammond's reputation right now as she looks to continue to make her way through her career so she has spoken um you know, it is the week before the regular season, so every coach is doing media availability this this week, and she wasn't yeah. able to escape Rough it or timing, hide from yeah. it. And she she's uh, denied it and 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 denied any mishandlings of of um, uh, the Dierka Hamby situation, and says that she was very careful with Hamby from the beginning. Says she had a great re- relationship with her the whole time. Uh, she said we made the move on Hamby because we could get three bodies for her one contract. It was never personal, so. You know, she said her side of it, kind of, and and admittedly, I haven't had the time to dig into it. This was just this afternoon. Yeah. Um. So I I, I would like to take a closer look through it. And and listen, like, 
do I believe people make mistakes and people can be redeemed sure. if they actually take action and show receipts yep. to be redeemed? Absolutely. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, screw Becky Hammond forever. Um, but this is what we're seeing from the WNBA investigation and from De'Erica Hamby's claims is not looking good. No. And, it, you know, I, I'm a staunch believer in in, in uh, believing survivors and victims when they come forward and, and tell you that they were abused. And so, you know, I think it's it's fair to believe Dierica Hamby. I know that people will yell there are two sides to every situation, but mm-hmm. I think Dierica Hamby had a lot more to lose by coming forward than, you know, a, a giant organization would. Um, so I I think that it's important to to believe her and to support her. And I really all I can say is like, I, I just hope that if Becky Hammond, if she did do the things that she's being accused of doing, that she redeems herself in some way and that she learns from this and doesn't treat other people like this going forward because she is one of the most prominent coaches. She's the most prominent coach yeah. in the WNBA right now, the most highly paid coach, the defending champions. Um, and her team is going into the season a super team. And if she is the first coach to to, to coach in the w, in the NBA, you know, you want to know that she's learned from a from something like this and it's been a you know improved and been a, a better person. Look, I'll be honest with you, Shrides. I'm feeling a little naive here. Like I, it feels like the WNBA having this happen is is weird to someone who's really not a basketball fan to begin with. So I don't really follow, frankly, the NBA or the WNBA. And you hear about someone in the Women's National Basketball Association being discriminated against for being pregnant, which is something that women do from time to time. This yeah. is, I, I like, I just, I don't know what to do. And like I said, I, it, it feels more naive of me than anything else to think there wouldn't be, you know, people with, shitty opinions or shitty approaches or whatever like that's gonna happen across sports in any league anywhere you work but is it weird to me that you know as average white sports dude i i'm surprised that a woman was treated this way in the wnba like it seems like if of all places that would be a workplace where you would be safe from this sort of thing i mean you would think um and unfortunately this isn't the first time that We've seen a, a prominent female athlete be treated poorly because of having a baby. Um, the overseas, the, in the um, the I think it's the Olympic Lyonnais in in Lyon, Paris, uh, France. Sorry, um, they were recently they came under fire for having a very similar situation with one of their players okay. who had a baby, attempted to go on mat leave, and was essentially treated like absolute garbage. Um, there are countless other examples, and unfortunately, again, this is just an example of uh, female athletes in these major leagues are often subject to rampant abuse, and I I don't want to. Obviously, Becky Hammond is a woman, and she was involved in this uh-huh. too. But oftentimes, it, it it's an issue of the people in power, sure. and oftentimes the people in power are men. Yes, and that's why, despite the fact that you'd look at the WNBA, the NWSL, and you'd go, "Well, it's it's women's sports." Of course, they would understand maternity leave, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, a lot of the leaders in there are men, and they don't understand maternity <laughs> leave. And and that was like I, I'm I'm not so much speaking to the WNBA the, to the Aces situation in particular because I don't know everyone that was involved right. but all the um, abuse investigations that just went on with the NWSL those were all male coaches male GMs male leaders there were a handful of women involved I don't want to exonerate I don't want to um, you know absolve women of any involvement sure, sure. here too but unfortunately because because there are so many men in power who these men in particular want to take advantage of female athletes we see this a lot in women's sports and again you you think you don't you wouldn't but we right. do okay well i guess that's i guess my naivete showing through just a little bit no that's okay yeah. it, like it, it's totally understandable not to be familiar with this kind of stuff like i'm in unfortunately like entrenched in it yeah your front lines it, on i've it. talked yeah. about it every week um, but I just want people to remember because, again, quote unquote, threats to women's sports are being tossed around a lot right now. And when people talk about threats to women's sports, this is what we talk about. Yeah. All right. It's not anything else. It's not anything else that you've been told that is like uh, trans 
gender athletes, for example. That's not a threat to women's sports. Right. This is a threat to women's sports. Yeah. Let's talk about abuse. Let's talk about lack of resources. Let's talk about lack of funding. Let's talk about lack of maternity leave. Those are threats to women's sports. Just got to get that out there. It's odd to me, and I don't mean to make light of it, that you would wander into a women's sports league and be surprised when someone gets pregnant. Like, like I know. this is kind of a... Th- any- anyway, <laughs> it's... Uh, that's perhaps an entirely different issue, uh, lack of uh, common sense or education. I'm not really sure yeah. what that is. But uh, look, we got a few minutes here before we get out of here. I'm curious um, if what else might be on your mind. We are down to a Sunbelt Final Four in the Stanley Cups. We are down to apparently four bidders um, who placed their, you know, met that Monday deadline for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, we've had teams bow out here recently. What do you want to spend our last couple minutes on? What's on your mind here, Shrides? Oh man! Are you so many interested options. at all in what the NHL's got left? Yes, I am, okay. and I will say this: I hate any rhetoric mm. that a market needs to have snow to enjoy hockey. And I listen; I'm a Canadian, and I am a fan of a small market Canadian team. And I get this inferiority complex. That gets a lot of snow. And I get this inferiority complex that we sometimes have with our southern uh, NHL partners because, yes, the NHL loves to prioritize its its certain southern American markets. I, that's weird to me. Stop. Like, to me, this is a superiority complex where we think we're better. <laughs> but, and, and that's the thing. It's coming from a place of deep-seated insecurity. Okay, okay. And I, I hate when fan bases crap all over other fan bases for not being real hockey fans. Because we, we we saw it when and it's not a, a southern team, but when we when Seattle came in a couple years ago, I saw all this stuff about oh Seattle fans don't know how to cheer for hockey. Shut up! You don't need to have a NHL team in your city to be a hockey fan. If we want this sport to grow at all, if we want the NHL not to be dead fucking last when it comes to major <laughs> men's sports in the in North America, we need to get rid of this mentality of gatekeeping this sport because only Canadians or only people who live in cold climates can understand it the growth of hockey happens everywhere and there are plenty of hockey fans in places where it's warm <gasps> gasp clutches pearls why do we <laughs> as canadians every single year get our panties in a wad because southern teams are successful or when southern teams are successful it drives me nuts we do it with new fan bases when we have expansion teams we do it with southern fan bases we love to make fun of them and 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 judge the way that they cheer for their team like just shut up just shut up like enjoy the hockey let other fans be fans however they want and in particular in Ottawa I'm very disappointed in fans I know everyone was crapping all over Arizona this week um because of of the arena deal that that fell through but we here in Ottawa know what it's like to have people judge us for not showing up to games and knowing them knowing nothing about what's going on internally and and the disdain for the owner it's really, really unfortunate that we have seen so many people judge other fan bases this week, and that's what's on my mind. Sorry. What do you really mean? <laughs> I've been holding that in all day. I'm getting that. Okay. So a lot to unpack there. I think you and I are coming at... I'll quick hit this as much as I I think you and I are coming at the Arizona thing a little differently. I'm not happy when any fan base loses their team, but I am okay with this commissioner who has smugly told us all that everything's fine in Arizona for 20 years have to come out in what as you pointed out should rightfully be a success week for the NHL right ah the Panthers have been kind of a troubled organization I'm not sure but the Carolina Hurricanes what they've built and the fan base and the vibe that they've built around tremendous Vegas the way they came in and immediately made themselves successful fantastic Dallas from almost moment one when they moved down there has been a reliable stable franchise we can go across the the Nashville has been a ton of fun to watch when they've taken their long run San Jose has made themselves incredibly successful like the Sunbelt thing on the face of it has been a success right there are warts there are pro and so this yeah as a Canadian fan Am I super interested in these four teams? Not particularly, right? But it has very little to do with their location as much as, ah, it's just kind of a shrug. I just saw McDavid go down. I just, frankly, I just saw my own team go down. Colorado's out. Boston's out. The Rangers are out, right? Like, 
I'm just sort of not that engaged in it. But this should be a week where we look at Gary's grand plan, which quite frankly has been successful. And it has bubbled up the one thing that he has repeatedly doubled down on, and it is about to explode in his face when he wants to talk about just about anything else. And there is a very, very strong part of me, Shrides, that's like, good for you, man. Do not ever talk down your nose to me again about how successful that's been because (laughs) they're sitting in a 5,000-seat arena with no future right now. Does that make me happy for their fans? No, I get it. It would suck to be in that position. But this is an organization in the Arizona Coyotes that Katie Strang reported on the toxic work environment and the terrible way they treat people. It's an organization that drafted Mitchell Miller. It is an organization that hasn't made an attempt to sign a big-time free agent in a very long time. They are a money-laundering organization that is just taking on other people's... So I... It's time to take the desert dog out behind the shed and give it the old yeller treatment. I'm sorry, that's just where I'm at oh, with that. <laughs> why do you have to bring up old yeller? It's a tear <laughs> Listen, I, the Arizona Coyotes are a hot mess of an organization, and that I will not disagree with that. That's well documented. Um, but in what I'm more referring to and what really drove me nuts this week was the people. I said something about I felt bad for Arizona Coyotes fans mm-hmm. this week, and I do. Yeah. This is a shit organization, and as someone who has cheered for an organization with a very well-disliked owner for a long time, um, I know what that feels like to a certain extent. And I saw a lot of rhetoric of, oh, there are more, do you mean plural fans? There's more than one? (laughs) Listen, there are Arizona Coyote fans, Mm -hmm. and they are upset this week. And just because their organization is run, like you said, like a money launderer, organization and and is absolutely top to bottom just a trash organization does not mean that they don't love that team no nope. they may not show up because would you no nope. you go support this organization after everything they've done no i we again we have seen this here in ottawa we are we should not be judging arizona coyotes fans who don't want to go to games right now because no, the my way beef's this not with the run. fans it's it's no and i've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of people punching down this yeah. week to Arizona Coyotes fans, and I just think it's trash. Like, the, the organization is awful. And, and they, you know, if if, if, it, if it doesn't work, if, if the team moves, it won't be because hockey doesn't work in the desert. It will be because that organization was very poorly run. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big difference. Yeah, well, we're seeing hockey work in the desert just over in Vegas, right, as we talked about. Uh, well, exactly. It can work. Look, look it's, what it's produced. Like, Boston yeah. Matthews. Uh, uh, Matthew Nice. <laughs> Matthew Nice, thank you. The, the hockey south is uh, those there are currently more child like children hockey players registered in Texas than there are in Alberta. And I understand there's a population diversity there, but that is still a thing that makes you step out and go, "Wow." <laughs> like it's caught on. It's it's working. And I there is a part of me though, and it it's maybe you can call me small, you can call me whatever you want, but that is very happy that Gary has to step out this week and talk about this when his success story should be the top story because he is part of the reason that this has been dragged out this long. And that's... Oh, yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting Gary Batman D. Yeah. Crow. Look I think we all want Gary Batman D. Crow. Smug mother, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at. I guess with five, uh, four teams left, you want to make a pick? Oh, man. I'm really bummed. I have to say, I'm really bummed Seattle's not there. A little Seattle-Vegas expansion matchup would have been interesting. That would be so fucking <laughs> great. Oh, I, and they have the best jersey and logo in the NHL. They have a they, I said what logo. I said. That's cool, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd like to see Carolina finally do the thing. Yep. And not finally, as in, like, I know they won in 06. Oh, 06. Six. Yep. Um, so it, I know it hasn't but been But they've been knocking long. on the door again for a while. And, it, and they've been that perpetually like second round team mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of years. And they're so entertaining. They're so much fun to watch. Um, so it'd be great to see. It'd be great to see them go all the way. I mean, it's hard not to. It, I'm torn on Vegas because Vegas also is not known for treating its players all that well yep. in the last couple of years. And at the same time, they brought Jack Eichel and they let him have the surgery that he wanted to do, which yep. Buffalo wouldn't. And there's, again, so much fun to watch. Um, so that Dallas that, team, though, it's good. Like that Dallas team is, and, especially when Jake Ottinger's judged, on. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I judge Dallas unfairly because for the last couple of years, they've been that like really boring defensive team, and they're not that no, this playoffs. No. Like, they are wildly entertaining. Jake Ottinger. Joel um, Pavelski's uh, 38 years old and just racking up goals all over the place, right? Like, it's um, Wyatt Johnston. Jason Robertson. Yeah, like the whole thing. Like, Hintz, yeah, like Miro Heiskanen. Like, the whole group is just super fun to watch. Um, yeah, uh, to me, yeah, if I you're going to. I don't hate. Yeah. I don't hate it. I think the winner for me is coming out of the West. It'll be Vegas or Dallas, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, Which is interesting because the East was looked at as the juggernaut. It is funny. Into these yeah, but now we're down to just two on each side, and uh, and Carolina, no. <laughs> to be real, is is beat up, right? Like it sounds like Tara Vinen's back, uh, going to be back, but they're still kind of beat up and uh, you know missing some key pieces. Uh, I think it's not the two you thought coming out of. No, of the East, it's not. Sure. Um, I think. I think Carolina beats Florida, but I also thought Florida would lose to Boston and Toronto. So what the hell do I know? <laughs> um, but I do think whoever wins the West is your is your champ, and I'll pick Dallas. But I'm yeah. not married to it. <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. I will say though, I don't hate any of these teams winning. Like even, and I know maybe the wound is, is still fresh, and I apologize. But even Florida, like what they've done is pretty wild. Not the fact that they're even not here is Florida. like. Okay. It is a little fresh, Shrides. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> We're still inside Maybe a week. I just want to see Brady cheer for his brother in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, he's not doing that, eh? He's not doing He's not doing He's been much more subdued, but I also wonder if they're just not like, have they not found him? I think someone. Like, sure, I know he's there. I think somebody did an interview that said he's in division now. It feels weird to be quite as over the top, you know, getting drunk. and. Uh, That's fair. Where's Michael Stone at? Like. If Brady's going to show up in Calgary ripping beers for his brother back last year, where's uh, Michael Stone's really let Mark down here the last couple of years? I, I don't. It's, it's not okay. But and isn't there like seventeen other Stall brothers that yeah you know, should be no, out there? Uh, just also screw this. Terrified of the brothers. rainbow jersey. Yeah, like yeah. Oh my god. Ooh. Yeah. That's what I the, want, car- yeah, the hurricane what? That's should. That's a good just, point. The hurricane should. I just, want nothing but the worst. That's of them. right. The hurricane should wear their rainbow jerseys oh. because it will scare the Stahl brothers away in Florida. What a great idea! Yeah. I love that. No, I don't want the Stahl brothers to win at all. I take back everything okay. I said about Florida. I hope they get sweet. Swept. Sweet. Uh, we'll wind this one down around here. Shrides, uh, tell the people again where they can check you out uh, coming up this weekend. You can find She's Got Game on uh, any TSN radio website or wherever you get your podcasts, including where you're listening to this one here. Uh, give us a follow. Give us a five-star rating, preferably. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S, and on Instagram as well, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. Or you can follow my craft beer photos on Instagram at Crafted in the Capital. And uh, we're on social media at Talk and Audio. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to our pod wherever you're hearing us right now. Screeds, appreciate it. Helping me break down all the small things. It's uh, It's been a good time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we'll get out of here on that. Uh, for Michaela Schreider, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?